Hey everybody, welcome to another brand new episode of A Little Bit Famous with Ted Murata. Glad you're here. And uh, before we get to this show, uh, I want to make a quick announcement, which is my band, Dr. Lowe and LeBand, is hitting the road again. Uh, we have some shows this coming weekend, uh, March 4th through 6th. And uh, Sunday the 6th in particular, we're playing at a place called The Colony in Woodstock, which is just an absolutely beautiful venue. And uh, if you're in the neighborhood, uh, definitely come out and see us. And we're also playing the following weekend. So if you're interested in uh, knowing where else we're going to be, you can check out my page on Instagram at Ted Murata, or you can check out my Facebook page at Ted Murata Drums. And uh, I hope you'll come out to see it. We're going to play some music and it'll be a good time. Um, so let's get to today's episode. My guest this week is Brandon Taves from uh, a really fantastic online uh, drum education community called Drumio, and uh, we have a good talk about that and about his life as a drummer and all sorts of really cool stuff, and uh, I hope you enjoy. So here it is, episode 33 with Brandon Taves. My guest today is Brandon Taves. He's a drummer, brand director for Drumio, which stands for Drum Education Online. And they do things like give drum lessons and have really some of the best drummers in the world come on to do um, you know, education sort of performances and things like that. Um, he's also the author of The Drummer's Toolbox. And uh, I'm really glad to finally have you on the show. How are you? Doing well. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot for having me. This is great. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's my pleasure. I'm currently, you know, people won't see this because it's a podcast, but I'm currently bathed in the most heavenly light here on the, <laughs> <laughs> on the East Coast as this sort of winter sun is shining through my window. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that'll pass away. Either that will pass by or I will suddenly just sort of disappear in a, in a, in a you yeah. know, just sort of blaze <laughs> of white. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I wanted to say at the outset, I obviously I first knew you from being on social media, particularly on Instagram and YouTube and things, um, and starting to see videos that Drumio was putting out. And uh, I, I was very intrigued, particularly because, um, you know, seeing you doing videos and things and, and then Jared Falk and I hope I've got his name pronounced correctly. Yep. Yeah, you got uh, it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, the, you know, the people that you would have uh, in your studio to play, um, you know, some of my favorite drummers in the world, you know, particularly, um, you know, people like Keith Carlock. I just think he's incredible. Um, yeah. Um, and I, I want to talk all about Drumio and, and also that it extends beyond things like drum lessons and the drummers community. You know, you do things, you have other, I don't know if you would call them branches or, whatever that do things like piano and guitar and stuff like that. So I definitely want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, but, but first I just wanted to ask, um, you're, can, you were born and raised in Canada, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, in a town called Chilliwack, which is about an hour from Vancouver. Okay. So a little bit out in the boonies. I think there's about a hundred thousand people in the mm -hmm. town, but, uh, Drumio is just about 20 minutes away in the city of Abbotsford. Oh, nice. Easy commute. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, okay. So I've never, I mean, I've been to Canada a bunch of times, but really only on the East coast side. Cause I'm here yeah. in New York, you know, so I've been to Montreal and London and Toronto and things like that yeah. a bunch of times, but I've never been to the West coast of Canada yeah. and I hear it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, and yeah. I hope to go, man, it's honestly, it's amazing. Like, uh, I grew up here, but I lived in Alberta in the prairies, uh, when I was studying music at university and it's flat like there's there's nothing so yeah coming back here there's this whole new appreciation for all the landscape and the hiking and the the ocean the lakes the rivers um there's so much to do outside like it's just a beautiful part of part of the world and part of canada yeah um, it's definitely like like if you're in vancouver within two hours or an hour from wherever you're at you could be swimming in the ocean or on top of a mountain or doing something like in the city. Like it's, yeah. it's pretty crazy. It's yeah. a, bit of, a bit of everything. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, the closest thing I could even possibly compare it to from my own travels would be California. Same thing. You could be in the ocean. You could go drive a few hours and be yeah. up skiing somewhere or up in Portland, Oregon or, or Seattle, you know? Um, yeah, de definitely similar to Seattle, like climate wise. Mm. I mean, everything like I love Seattle. It's, yeah, uh, me too. There's something about being just like kind of in the port mm -hmm. uh, the oceans. It's great. Yeah. 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 I love it too. It was, it was, a, it was actually one of my favorite places to play, although we never really broke there. We just, we would go yeah. and play clubs in Seattle, but we never really kind of broke through that, you know, whatever that is, what the, yeah. the ingredient that you need to sort of <laughs> suddenly. Sauce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I also, I want to ask, have you, have you been a drummer your whole life? I mean, has that been your thing since the beginning or? Yeah. So yeah, great question. Um, I grew up playing piano uh, oh, okay. for about, let's say six years or so doing the Royal Conservatory stuff. Um, I think I got up to like grade five RCM, but kind of in the last few years of playing piano. So I was probably around grade three in elementary school. Um, my dad was was playing records in, in the car on the way to school and stuff. Like, man, like the drums just sound yeah. so sick. Like, I, I want to do that. Yeah. Uh, so I got a drum set, uh, started taking lessons from day one. That was part of the requirement if I was going to learn. Um, was that and, an, was that a requirement imposed by your parents or? Yeah. 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 If I wanted to, if I wanted to play drums. I had to have a teacher. I had to like, go through it kind of similar to what we did with piano lessons but mm -hmm. um yeah I, I never disliked that i know there's a lot of stories about these big name drummers who they have that first drum lesson it's it's just a train wreck and uh <laughs> they never have a teacher again but for me i really liked the structure i liked having these weekly goals that okay i'm gonna check that one off i can say i can do that can move on to the next thing um i really liked that kind of structure which we can talk about later, how I kind of had to break away from that a little bit. But um, okay. yeah, I got a, got a drum set in, I guess, grade four in elementary school, took lessons from day one and just jumped right into like rock drumming. Oh, okay. Because I was going to ask you, um, you, you obviously definitely have jazz chops. Yes. Uh, so I study, I study jazz. Uh, okay. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, but rock was your first thing. Rock was first. So the very first record I ever listened to, this will tell you my age, 
uh, Have a Nice Day by Bon Jovi was the okay. first record that was playing in the car on the way to school that I remember. I'm like, man, like there's something about those drum tracks that just like hit you right in the gut. Yeah. And uh, I just remember playing that. I think I had a, a CD player behind my kit with like a cassette player built in so that I would <laughs> alternate between those two. And mm-hmm. um, I would just wear those things out. Uh, but from there, it was like, I got really into U2. Mm-hmm. Big fan of Larry Mullen. Uh, Rush was a big one for me. Um, who else? Like Def Leppard, Van Halen. Those are all kind of the, the bands I was into like really early on. And then yeah. kind of moved more into the, the progressive stuff when I started to understand more of like the rhythmic elements of the music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I could probably like attribute my whatever ability I, I have to play in odd times to signatures to listening to Neil Peart and yeah. and yes, you know, when yeah. I was younger, um, yeah. even even uh, Led Zeppelin tunes, you know, I, I think. I, yeah. I mean, there, I think you did one recently. You you posted on I saw it on Instagram where you were doing yeah. a Zeppelin tune and I can't remember what it was. Um, I'm trying to think oh, of the, the crunch, the yeah. crunch, right? It's all, like it's all in nine eight for yep. the verses and stuff, but it has yeah. this like four four beat pickup into the yeah. tune, so everyone thinks it's like it starts on the downbeat, but it actually leads into that first bar. It's yeah, just wacky, man. it's it's baffling. I mean, anyone <laughs> anyone who's listening right now who doesn't play the drums, uh, and even people who do have never heard the song. You should you should go look it up on YouTube or something yeah. to hear a kind of just this one of the strangest grooves that that just works, but uh, not not the easiest thing to play. Um, yeah. And I, I was just going to add that um, you mentioned Bon Jovi, which I remember the album and I remember it being uh, well, the same more recent isn't exactly right, but it's certainly not from like their very early catalog. Do you remember? Well, you, I'm sure you do because you would know what age you were. Do you remember what year that was when you heard that song? Yeah, so that would have been that record came out, Have a Nice Day in 2005. So it, it kind of like around that time, it was like my, my dad was a big fan of like 80s bands and stuff like that. So I was listening to like the 2005 to 2007 era albums of yeah. these older bands. So yeah. it was like, have a nice day. It was no line on the horizon was like 2009 from U2. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Um, Rush had put out snakes and arrows in 2007. So that was kind of like where I was diving in. Yeah. And then I remember iTunes was a big thing then. Um, and I would find these playlists of these bands and I'm like, Oh man, like Rush in 1981 and like Bon yeah. Jovi in 86. Yeah. Like, what's this kind of stuff? So I'd go back and and like, oh man, these are the same bands. Yeah. And that's kind of where I dived into like all the older catalogs of these bands that I was only finding out about in the mid 2000s. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I started there and then went straight back. And that's where I really kind of like fell in love with the, the 70s, 80s, 90s era stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm obviously older because I, that music, the, the 70s, 80s era of many of those bands I was listening to as a little kid, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. so I was sort of, I was listening to it as it was happening, but your experience with Bon Jovi reminds me like I, I, I took lessons for quite a while for like a couple years with a guy who was kind of stodgy and at least for me, you know, I'm whatever yeah. pretentious kid I was. And he was just sort of like 
you have to practice. And we, we did like at least a year or more before I ever, ever even sat down behind a drum set. It was all practice pad, all rudiments to do, to do. And then wow. he disappeared. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I was like, I don't want to do that. Just teach me how to play, you know, stairway to heaven or something. Yeah. Um, uh, but I did it. And then, and then another uh, teacher, I had another teacher for a long time named Rocky Petroselli and he's a great drummer. Um, but he was the guy who was like, okay, you want to, you want to learn how to play the uh, police song. You want to learn how to play Led Zeppelin, you know, let's start doing that. And um, yeah. that's what got me going. You know, um, did you, how long did you take the formal lessons in various? Cause after a little while, I just was like, okay, I know how to play a drum set for better or worse. I was yeah. like, I, okay, I'm just going to go off and, and play. And then yeah. I ended up, you know, touring and, and doing that kind of thing. But yeah. Yeah. So I took formal lessons from 2006 till 2019. Oh, wow. Okay. That's nonstop, yeah. Nonstop. Yeah. So I was with my first teacher who actually still lives locally, a good friend of mine named Jeremy Roberts from 2006 till 2013. And we did everything from the basic of the basic, learning how to hold the sticks up until yeah. uh, working on tunes like Tom Sawyer, working on some Afro-Cuban music, um, kind of like getting my feet wet in a little bit of everything in mm -hmm. jazz playing and swing. Uh, and then around 2013, I would have been in grade, uh, going into grade 10, I believe, or into grade 11 in high school. And that's kind of when I decided that, like, I want to be, I want to do something with drumming, like professionally for a career, didn't know what that looked like. Uh, but I wanted to take some kind of step forward uh, to move things along. So that's actually when I connected with Jared, uh, Jared Falk, the president of Drumeo, the founder. Uh, he lived locally and was a mutual friend on Facebook. My dad actually was uh, an acquaintance with Jared's dad uh, just through work and stuff. So Jared had made a post on social media saying that he wanted to take on four private students just to like keep everything fresh with like one-to-one -one teaching just because everything for him had been online. So I reached out we started taking lessons at Long McQuaid, basically the Canadian Guitar Center or gotcha. Sam Ash, okay. whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, we did that for a few months. And first of all, I'll never forget the very first lesson I had with him. This was like September the 10th, 2013. And I pull up to the Long McQuaid and we go into one of these practice rooms with this just like beat up CB percussion kit, like just the worst, right? Yeah. So if you rub your, your finger on the hoop of the floor, Tom, and you're going to get like a, like a metal sliver or something, mm. just like the worst. <laughs> so I go into that lesson and it was kind of like, um, he was just trying to see where I was at, what I'd worked on, all this stuff. So he was just throwing just everything at me. So we did a bit of technique and I was just awful. Had mm. like, with drums, it's, it's so important to have this sense of letting the sticks rebound off of the surface so you're not burying that energy into your wrist and giving yourself tendonitis or carpal tunnel yeah uh, it's all about staying relaxed and letting the sticks rebound off of the surface so i totally failed that part of the lesson <laughs> um so we keep going he gets me to learn this uh songo this afro-cuban style from like the 60s or 70s which is pretty like independence heavy 
yeah all four limbs doing something different uh totally butchered it just the worst <laughs> and then we kind of ended the lesson with a track and he's like i'm gonna put on this track just play it and uh yeah we'll go from there so he mm-hmm. plays this track it was this funk play along track from drumio and i play along to it and i think it's going all right there's a solo kind of butcher it but i'm like oh it's the first time i've ever played this yeah so we get to the end and he pretty much says like man like that sucked <laughs> like that was not good and this is like the first time in my life i had ever been told like that was not good like people yeah. like even like growing up like i was never pumped up like wow you're so amazing you're so amazing like i had my my teeth to the grindstone i'm working mm-hmm. on stuff practicing or whatever but you're in whatever wherever you live, there's always like the best drummer in the high school and the best drummer in your middle school and all this stuff. So I had been kind of riding that wave for a little bit and I wasn't, I'm no prodigy or anything like that, but that's just the way it worked in a small town. Mm -hmm. So I get to this lesson and I get this truth bomb (laughs) and like, Oh man, like that hurts, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah, it it was totally true. Right. And, um, he even like went further to say, like, before he said that, he's like, in the second chorus beat two of the third bar you played a tom why did you play a tom and i sat there i'm like oh i I thought it sounded good he's like well why did it sound good what are you going to say to that i didn't know i had no like purposeful intention behind playing that note Hmm. but i still played it yeah and that was a huge turning point for me first of all it's the first time i had ever gotten like a real dose of reality about you're not that good. Yeah. And it was a hundred percent true. And that's something that I experienced again when I went to university two years later, my first day on campus, uh, there was this, we had these practice rooms called wangers, the brand that made them was called wanger. And there were like 40 of them all in the hallways. There's kind of two hallways on either side of the campus. And if you're in that part of the building, you just hear drums all day, all night. And I remember showing up, it was like 9am. I go into the drum hallway and there's like 40 drummers just shedding. And I'm going from one, like, oh, that guy's really good. Go to the next one. Oh, that guy's better. Keep going. That guy's even better. Like all of these people are way better than I am. So again, this, this recurring theme of like, okay, I have to make a choice. Either I can take this, like what I'm experiencing right now and accept it and just ride the wave, do my thing, not push that hard, or I can get on the same level as these guys and put in the work and try to be even a little bit like any of these guys practicing in, in these practice rooms right now. But again, that wake up call of like all of these guys and girls are the best drummers in their school and best drummer in their city and all this stuff. And now you're just one right? It's no longer are you from this small town, like you're in the same pond as all these people who are coming from bigger cities. So I basically took that as like motivation to kick into gear and 7am, get behind the kit up until the school closes at midnight, like you're in the room practicing. Um, So that was kind of like this, this recurring theme that around that point in time was like a big thing, like even being rejected to some schools that I really wanted to go to. I remember um, 
we can bring this all back to, I know I'm t- kind of taking it. No, 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 go ahead. Um, yeah. I remember the one school well, there were three schools I auditioned at. One was McEwen University, which I ended up going to and getting my degree there. But I auditioned at Berkeley, which I really wanted to go to. But as an international student, it's just insanely expensive. And I didn't have the kind of cash to, <laughs> to, yeah. to do that. So I auditioned there. I got in. But then I, when they upload the results online, it's like, congratulations, you made it in. And then you hit the next button. And it's like, but you didn't get a scholarship. <laughs> So oh God. that was off the table, but realistically, I wanted to go to uh, Humber College in Toronto, mm. which is where Larnell Lewis teaches, um, Mark Kelso, uh, at the time, Paul DeLong, who played drums with Kim Mitchell and a few others. Uh, that's where I wanted to go. So I flew out to Toronto. I've been working for like six months, just like prepping the audition material. I'm like, this is gonna, this is gonna be the one, right? So I go there, I audition. I thought it went all right, but I didn't think it went that bad. And so uh, I don't hear anything for a long time. And uh, eventually I get feedback from Mark. It's just like, this was horrible. This was horrible. Oh my God. Uh, Your funk playing was the best part of your your audition, but still like subpar. Mm. Man, this is brutal. And at the time it's like, you can, again, you can either take that and harness it and do something with it or you could just say you know what screw it i'm gonna go do anything else but play drums yeah so ended up going to McEwen university which i'm actually glad i did uh, it was a smaller program and i feel like there was more of an opportunity to like really dive into stuff there uh, so i'm really glad i went there but at the time that was that was brutal man like i kind of had to harness all of that and put it into uh everything i did at this other school and looking back in hindsight, everything that those adjudicators said was 100% true, 100% true. Um, I even looked back on it a few weeks ago. I have it all in a document. I'm like, every single one of those points was like 100% accurate. Yeah. But even, even coming like uh, later down the timeline, uh, about a year and a half ago, Mark Kelso, who adjudicated me, he, he came out to Drumeo to film. Uh, a bunch of Afro-Cuban stuff with us and Afro-Brazilian drum stuff. And I was producing all of his content. So everything kind of came full, cir- uh, full circle. Mark's a good friend yeah. of mine now. Same with Larnell. Um, we're great friends. I love him. He's, he's fantastic, yeah. man. And, he's great. Uh, but it, it's so funny how all of those things where I could have just dropped off the face of the earth. I'm not playing drums anymore. <laughs> this whole industry sucks. Yeah. But instead, I, I decided, like, I'm going to take that, put it into playing drums and making something out of this. And funny how that all kind of comes full circle where now I'm in the producer chair, um, not playing drums, but making sure we get the best out of these incredible teachers and drummers yeah. uh, for the students at Drumeo. So, yeah, that's kind of a little bit of history there. And we can dive into any more of that. Yeah. Uh, wherever you want to go. Yeah, sure. Um, well, this first of all, you just during the course of what you were saying, a few things popped into my head. One of them is, um, in some ways, I I feel lucky in the sense that I I took lessons for a while. I figured out how to play the drum set. I had some natural talent and whatever, but I was never, and really, I'm still not. An uh, extremely disciplined drummer. I'm just sort of like a just a feel guy, and I I listen yeah. carefully to learn music and stuff. But 
I learned how to read music when I was young. And then I was like, ah, I'm not going to need that. So I can't do it anymore. And I know you can, cause I, you know, I can, I've seen your, your videos and you guys have charts and everything for music. And then by the time I was in high school, I was jamming with some bands. And then by the time I was 20, I was, I was in a working band professionally. And I, I was just gone for, that was what I did for over a decade. But at the same time, I also, be, and so no formal music education. Like I went to college for, to study English and history or whatever. And then I dropped out of college to be in the band. So no formal music education beyond childhood drum lessons. And so the, on some levels, I feel like I might've missed out on some things, you know, uh, some fundamentals that, that you and people like you that, I mean, you're clearly a very disciplined person in that sense you. you know oh it, it comes through so much in the amount of work that you put into the videos that you post and i want to talk about some of those too yeah. and also you know just to add to that uh, my impression of you is just looking where you're sitting right now uh you know with this collect you know great stack of books and it looks like vinyl records and of course a yeah. collection of snare drums at the top you know you 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 seem you know, scholarly on a certain level when it comes to to drum to knowing everything and absorbing everything that you can about drums and drum styles and different types of drummers and things, um, and 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 that's that's an ab admirable quality. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, so and so for me now at this point in my life, you know, when I'm when I when I say to myself, you know what, I just need to start working on a six stroke roll or something. I'll I'll do it for a few weeks and I'll get it somewhat up to par. And then I'll just, <laughs> I'll just go back to playing the drums. So I don't have that, you know? Um, and then the second thing I wanted to, to say, ask you was when you mentioned the amount of like pretty tough love you were getting from that first lesson with Jared. And then, um, you know, when you were applying to schools and seeing these, seeing and hearing these drummers that were, that you believed were like way above your head and, and, yeah. and that you could have just said, forget it. I'm yeah. out. I wonder, this is a sort of a bigger question. Do you think that that might, like sometimes when people see videos of pe someone like Keith Carlock just making your jaw hit the floor, mm -hmm. you know, do you think it's more likely, and, and from your experience being someone who's an educator and things like that, do you think that from your experience, it's more likely that they will be inspired, that people who watch will be inspired to get there or intimidated by it do you hear any feedback from people who are like oh my god he's so good i could never do that yeah that's that's a great question and for me i know i've i've been on both ends because there's yeah. a lot of years where i would watch even local drummers mm -hmm. um and i would see them up on on stage i'm like wow that guy is so good i yeah. am not even close to that yeah um and then i listen to records and, and these watch these videos and stuff and it's like I'm never going to play like that. And that's the truth, right? Like, Oh yeah, I've accepted but, that. <laughs> but like for me, like there was this turning point where you, first of all, you have to check in with your expectations. Um, yes. And second is why do you need to play like that? And for me, th there was this shift where it was discouraging for a long time. And then there was this point where it's like, Oh, you know what? There's a piece of that video, one thing that Keith Carlock did, or one thing that Larnell did that I really like. And I think I can do something with that that's even maybe different from what Larnell did. There's no way I'm going to play like Larnell. And 
honestly, I think, I don't think anyone should want to play exactly like Larnell, right? I, yeah, it's, I totally that, agree. That's like his thing. And he's, that's his own voice on the kit, right? And you have your own voice. I have my own voice. And from all the different influences, um, like I can't even count, like I played a lot of metal growing up. So there's certain left-hand techniques that I've brought into my jazz playing. There's certain hand to foot linear ideas I've taken from Larnell that I use when I'm playing on my, my bop kit, changing the sounds, changing the orchestrations, but the inspiration came from Larnell. And I think the sooner people can get over the fact that they don't need to play exactly like that, or even on the same technical level. I think at that point, when you can just be okay with like where you are and understanding that your journey on the instrument is completely different from down to like, uh, maybe you listen to every single record that Larnell listened to, but maybe there's one song that you've been into that Larnell didn't listen to. That's going to potentially set you on a completely different roadmap. Yeah. Um, and that's the coolest part about music because everyone has a completely different journey on the instrument or on the kit. So yeah, for me, that was a big turning point where it's like, I just, I really like that one thing he did here, but I also really like this jazz guy and I really like this gospel thing and all of that stuff coming together equals me and my voice on the instrument. Yep. And I think that's exciting. At least it is for me where there's, you don't need to put this unneeded pressure on you, right? Like, yeah. Um, again, I'm a big fan of like goal setting and all this kind of stuff, but your goal shouldn't be to be exactly like this person. I mean, sure, like goals of being in a band, being able to play this song, being able to play this rudiment at this tempo, all that stuff is great. But I, I don't, I'm not a fan of, I want to be like Larnell Lewis and play exactly like him. And shout out to Larnell because <laughs> he's such a good friend of mine and he's a great example here. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think just like letting go and managing the expectations of like the expectations part is another thing. Uh, if you're only playing for 10 minutes a day, once a week, you can't get discouraged that you're not playing in stadiums, right? Yeah. There's, you're just not putting in the amount of work <laughs> that's going to be required to get to that level. And that's totally fine. Maybe you're, you're into 10 other things that are all really important to you and you have family and you have, you're into skiing and biking and all this kind of stuff but you just need to be real with yourself of setting realistic goals and expectations. And based on those, uh, you should be able to find like fulfillment in that. Right. Yeah. So this is kind of some of my thoughts on that, but I, 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 I want to hear more because first of all, that's, <laughs> that's fantastic advice. It was a, it was a great way to just to handle that question. And, and, um, and, and great advice, not just for drummers, but really for any, any musician and, you know, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I, uh, I would see drummers, listen to drummers, see drummers play live and concert and stuff. And I'd be like, it, it, there's no, I will never, that's just, and, and as you said, that's not the kind of like, it's not the drummer I want to be ultimately. Yeah. I'll find my own path. And, and, and Neil Peart is a great example. Cause when I was a kid, I would, I would play along to rush tunes constantly and even Metallica and um, you know, Led Zeppelin, of course, and other bands like that. And I picked up bits and pieces along yeah. the way as we all do. But I realized like, you know, Neil Peart is not the kind of drummer that I want to be for a living. 
you know, yeah. I love to listen to them or whatever. Uh, and I gravitated more toward, you know, uh, like just the grooving yeah. people, you know, just like so much so that I would focus, I, we would, we would tour. And sometimes I'd just go out with a kick snare and a hi-hat um, for a whole tour, you know, cause I was just like, boom, boom, boom. You know, I just want to keep this groove solid and funky and stuff, but, and, and, and yeah. So I think ultimately, at least for me anyway, and probably as you were describing, like the best thing to do is you just, you just, you listen, you absorb, you learn, and probably more important than anything you play. Yeah. You know, and just start to figure out who you are, figure out your identity. Yeah. And I, I think too, just real quick. Um, and then I wanted to ask you too, over time, I've developed a particular sound to my kit, a particular way that I hit, that my snare cracks yeah. and people come up to me and be like, that's, that's the Ted Murata, that's the Ted Murata crack yeah. that I love to hear, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. And that, and that's great. Is that, is that something that you, you mentioned things like changing sounds and things like that? Is that something that you, that you feel like you've identified at this point? Is, is there a Brandon Taves sound? Oh man. I mean, there's certain, especially with musicians I play with all the time or have played with for a long time, there's certain things that like instinctively they'll know that I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, I know for me, like my kits change so often based on the music I'm playing. Like one minute I'm, I'm playing this a <laughs> hundred piece rush kit or when I'm at home, I'm playing my sixties Bob kit with vintage symbols and stuff. So I love just exploring Ton, tons of different different sounds uh there was a period of like three or four years where i was really into I, i'm still into this kind of music but the kind of the modern jazz contemporary style playing with the south american rattles on the cymbals mm. and the wallets on the snares and the cymbal stacks all that kind of stuff very percussive elements of the kit yeah um yeah. and that's something people just knew that when they would play with me that would probably make its way in um, but I would say more so like in the vocabulary that I use, there's certain things that kind of make their way across the board. If I'm playing rock or gospel or something like that, there's certain fills and inflections I'll do all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm playing jazz, there's certain triplet phrases that I'll work into uh, my playing all the time in different ways, different orchestrations. Um, but sound wise, yeah, I'm just like changing things all the time and there's probably some people who think that's bad where it's like, Oh, you're not going to develop that. Like the Brandon Tave signature drum kit sound. Right. Um, but I think for me right now, uh, at least at this stage, I'm, I'm just more into like developing that vocabulary and working it into different styles, modifying it to fit gospel, but jazz, but R and B um, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But even one other thing I thought of based on what you were saying there is uh, for me, at least, like through Drumeo, I'm often sitting beside these legendary drummers, like some of my heroes in the studio. And I think it's important, like for me, like I'm never going to play like Dennis Chambers. That's just, it's never going to No, happen. you just had Dennis Chambers in recently. And I, I was- like, Last week. So yeah. I'm sitting in the studio. Well, I worked with Dennis for about three days, um, producing content with him. But on the last day, we did a live event and I was sitting beside him. And first of all, when he plays the kick drum, man, like his kick <laughs> drum is like three feet away from me and you can just like, just destroys you. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but when I'm sitting there, it's, it's, it's almost uh, a relief that I, I'm not feeling, of course, I'm 100% inspired in that moment. Mm-hmm. But for me in that position, my job isn't to like, oh, I just want to play like Dennis Chambers. For me in that position, my job and something that I'm actively working to get better at and develop is how can I get the best information and the most value out of someone like Dennis Chambers so that the world can have access to something that maybe they didn't have access to before Um, through asking the right questions, through asking things that maybe prompt that drummer or that artist to go down a certain path that maybe they didn't even plan to go down um, or teach something that maybe hasn't been taught before. So those types of things, for me, at least, like I know I'm, I'm never going to be the best drummer in the world. And I have fully accepted that. I am 100% okay with that. I love playing drums. I love drummers. I love everything to do with music. Um, but for me, like I'm finding a skill set that maybe a lot of people don't have that I want to dive deeper into is how can I get the most value for people yeah, out of For that people drummer? who are watching, people exactly. that you're educating. Yeah, exactly. We have this, this artist in the room that lots of people don't have access to. So how can we get something that is going to change someone's life through the instrument in China or in South America or in Canada, like wherever it is, wherever they're watching. So for me, that's part of my kind of bubble as a musician. It's not just playing for me. Sometimes it's these other things that I think are equally as important. And I think that goes to anyone out there who's they think that the only way to be a professional drummer or a professional musician is to just play in big rooms for big audiences. Uh, there's all these other sectors and skills in education and composition and performance that you can actually make a living and actually find fulfillment through being Absolutely. a musician, right? Yeah. Um, even for yourself, right? Doing the podcast, doing all these other things. It doesn't just have to be, I'm on stage playing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm right now I'm recording an album right now. Um, and yeah, of course the podcast is great, but, um, and, and touring is, is as much as we can because it's you know, two years yeah. of COVID hell, but, um, yeah, right. but yeah, no, I, I agree. And, um, I, I think it's, I think it's a, it, that's also great advice for people to, 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 if they, if they would like to be a professional musician or professional drummer that they don't have to, you can do it without becoming, you know, the, you know, drummer for Bon Jovi or whatever. Um, I have, I have a, a a question, which I feel like has been a much debated question for a very long time, particularly since I started getting active on social media somewhat recently, really um, just a few years ago is there, you, I see these debates all the time and I usually stay out of them, but I have my own belief, but it's the sort of debate, like is Ringo a good drummer? debate um uh, you know or charlie watts or whatever and and usually it falls down there are these battle lines drawn where it's like ringo sucks he has no technical skill whatsoever you know blah 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 yeah and and then there are these people who's like he's a genius he played exactly what he was supposed to play for the song same for charlie watts and sometimes i feel like there's this thing where the, the question is sort of like was Ringo, uh, technically speaking, and I'll, I'll use this word in quotation marks, better than he played 
And he simply chose to serve the song in this particular way and, and, and show restraint. Or was he playing at the height of his abilities and it just happened to work out perfectly for the Beatles, you yeah. know? Um, and I, I'm wondering if, you know, you don't have to weigh in on Ringo particularly, but oh, I'm wondering I, I, if you have thoughts about, about, well, let's, all right, let's use Ringo as the example. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, um, to me, either way, it works great, but I'm just wondering yeah. what you think. Um, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying I've never been the, the world's biggest Beatles fan, but, um, yeah, I've, I've listened to a lot of their music and stuff like that. Obviously, lots of uh, recordings and videos of Ringo. First of all, on that question, I don't know why he would... I don't think he would be restraining uh, just as like a musician myself. I don't know why I would maybe go into a session and like not give everything I had. Mm -hmm. um, in my opinion, I do think Ringo was the perfect drummer for that yeah, band. Um, I agree completely. I think objectively, I think I can say, and everyone can probably agree with me. He's not the most technical drummer that the no. world has ever seen, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Um, so many people equate like uh, a great drummer to technical ability or technical proficiency. I, I don't think so. Um, at the end yeah. of the day, how do the drums serve the music and was it effective? And yeah. I think everyone can say, yes, Ringo's drumming was extremely effective on all of the Beatles music. Yeah. Um, sure. Ringo can't play blast beats or Ringo can't swing at 400 bpm that's yeah. fact yeah but why would he need to be able to do that yeah it would have had no no value or no addition to anything they were doing yeah all he needed to do was that simple stuff but there's still elements in all of those songs where it's like oh that's ringo mm -hmm. so i think even more on the the line of like musicianship and musicality and finding your own voice um I think he was extremely effective on that front too, where, yeah, the stuff he was playing a lot of the time was super simple. Of course, there's, there's exceptions. There's, uh, was the drum solo on like the end. Um, yeah. She's so heavy, like all that kind of stuff. Like yeah. there's moments where Ringo does shine, but I also think on lots of those simpler songs, there's sometimes like, like ticket to ride or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That groove is like yeah. a little bit. Oh, that's, it's weird, crazy. Yeah. But yeah. like, it's Ringo, man. Like immediately, you know, it's him. So um, on that front, and also think about how many drummers are there are today because of Ringo. Yes. Uh, the influence factor from what he did is, is higher than anyone else the world has ever seen. So anyone who like picks on Ringo, man, is like, <laughs> like you don't have to be a big Ringo fan. I'm, I'm not a diehard fan. Yeah. Um, but you can't deny his influence. You can't deny his originality on the kid. Um, and really technique and stuff, in my opinion, if you're not hurting yourself and it's allowing you to play the music that you want to play and need to play, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's all yeah. about, it's all about just being efficient on the drums, helping you be more musical. Technique is just a tool. No one's going to go to your yep. show yep. and be like, wow, your four-stroke molar is just so smooth. <laughs> no, they're going to be like, wow, that groove felt really good. Why? Yeah, yeah. Because your four-stroke molar is developed. <laughs> right. But no one's going to yeah. jump to the technique. They're yeah. going to be like, wow, you played something that felt and sounded really great. Yeah. Um, 
those are just some of my thoughts on it. Yeah, but. no, that's that. I mean, I agree with everything you just said, but I, and I think, I think you can expand that out too. Like Ringo is sort of, Ringo is sort of like debate ground zero. His name always yeah. comes up all the time. Some, sometimes Charlie Watts, but yeah. I think about drummers like Mick Fleetwood, um, you know, Phil Rudd. Yeah. Even someone like Don Henley, you know, yeah. these were drummers who were support or who were laying down parts for some of the biggest drum, biggest artists in the world, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, playing stadiums and everything, selling multi-platinum, blah, blah, blah. And, and th those guys weren't like technical masters. They, they no. just played the right song, the right part for the, for the song and, and things like that. And interestingly, I think someone like Phil Collins has, has a, you know, a fair bit of technical chops, you know, but in many ways he also, uh, did the same thing, you know, he, you know, I've, I've, you know, he had his big moments, like, of course, in the air tonight, you know, this legendary drum fill, but the fill itself is not, it's not like some blistering thing, nope. you know, but what it is, everybody knows it, you know, yeah. everybody on the planet knows it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's funny. Um, we just put out a video on the genius of Phil Collins, uh, yeah. last week on Drumeo and reading through the comments and people are like, Oh, Phil didn't invent that fill this guy played it, whatever. I mean, yeah, you can't, you can't invent a rhythm, right? Rhythms have been around for as long as time. Yeah. Um, and chances are someone played a three note grouping before Phil Collins, right? Yeah. They were doing it in jazz. They were like, people played that rhythm, but the way that rhythm fit into that particular song in the spot that it did, um, that's what made it so iconic, right? It's, it's not that Phil invented the rhythm, right? Right. It's, it's just like John Bonham didn't invent Bonham triplets. Right. Um, there, Elvin Jones was playing that in the fifties and I'm sure guys were playing that before he was. Um, but because of the way he used it in the songs he did, that's why it became so iconic and is now considered the Bonham triplet or Bonham triplets. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I think it's just so much more to do with the context. Um, I mean, if anyone hears, doo -doo 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 everyone know. knows what that is. Yeah. Because Phil Collins did it that way. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you, you, uh, you talked about it a little bit in, in your, in your, it was, you know, the post that you were, that I was seeing. Let me, let yeah. me, let me say that again. So it doesn't sound, <laughs> I don't know how to use words. Uh, but in the posts that that I was seeing of you doing this, these uh, videos of, of Phil Collins parts and stuff, you also talked. And this is another thing that to me makes that feel so special beyond just that he's playing it are the things like he's using concert toms and there's a gated reverb on it and things like that. Um, and, and, and those are things that maybe people who just love music and don't really pay too much attention to, to the technical like recording techniques and, and, and yeah. things like that, that were used, but they, they feel it, you know, they, if I just went downstairs and did that fill, they'd be like, Oh yeah, that's the in the air tonight feel, yeah. but it wouldn't sound like his, you know, no. uh, because that drum sound was just so special. Yeah. And, and, and I want to take a second to talk about the, the, the series that you've done, because you mentioned some of them because I, I think they're great. And for listeners, First of all, you should follow Brandon Taves on Instagram. You should follow Drumeo, and we'll talk more about the other uh, uh, music education programs that you have. But you know, you'll do a whole series on 
Neil Peart. And like you said, you'll have like this, you'll have as close to a, a replica of what he was playing. And then you'll do one for Alex Van Halen and you'll have a kit that, that, you know, um, looks a hell of a lot and sounds yeah. a lot like Alex Van Halen's. And then yeah. the Phil Collins one, and I've seen you do a bunch of series. Um, I, I have to ask real quick, like what kind of time and energy does it take for you to get that kind of stuff together to get? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And those videos, it's, it's so funny. I did the first one, uh, June of 2021. I was on a big Van Halen kick and I wanted to do something on him. And it's like, well, why don't we do something that dives like a little bit deeper? And one of the themes that I've seen in my time, basically since I started with Dramio in 2014, part-time, being around people in the industry, being around uh, people who really care about the work that they do, the missing link that most musicians <laughs> don't explore is, is just stuff that takes a lot of time, focus, yeah. and energy. That that's mm -hmm. the thing. Like pretty much every project that I've ever done, uh, that people have recognized, it's not because I'm the only one who can do it. By no means. There are there are people out there who can play Alex Van Halen, Dave Grohl, Neil Peart parts so much better than I can. That's just fact. I've seen people do it. But what I think people don't do is actually stick through with a project that takes time and research and just uh, a very precise attention to detail. Yeah. Um, so for me, first of all, I love that stuff. I love music history. I love unpacking the things that maybe are debated or controversial or yeah, just like a little bit deeper than what you would see most other places. So with all of these videos, um, kind of my process is, first of all, who is the drummer? Uh, and when do we want to release this? So a bit of a, a sneak peek. I'm working on a Danny Carey one right now to release cool. for Tool. Yeah. Um, to release around Danny's birthday, I think in May it is. So it's February right now. So this is a few month project. I'm planning to film it early April. So going into that, we need, I need to figure out what kit we need. Ideally, it looks and sounds as close as possible. Um, obviously Danny has a bunch of really unique electronics and stuff that probably yeah. aren't accessible. So figuring out what are the alternatives there that we can still get the same sounds or, and find someone to sample the right sounds. Um, but pretty much it all starts with a blank document. When I think of Danny, or let's go to one I've done. When I think of Phil Collins, what is anything and everything that comes to mind? Uh, from a particular fill to a particular song or quote or anything um, in like content marketing, they call this like artifacts. Uh, they're just things. They yeah. could be something that leads to something bigger, or it could just be a wasted thought, but put it all down on paper. So I put, I put down all the stuff and then I have this long list of 30, 40, 50 items, maybe uh, it could be song titles, albums, whatever. And then I start to organize these into what are similar themes? What are the overarching uh, topics here that maybe multiple artifacts could fit into? So for Phil Collins, we were talking about um, like drum fills would be one, one of those topics or main themes. So in the air tonight would go in that one. 
I had Easy Lover down Easy on there. Easy Lover, yeah. The intro, that right? One. That eight bar intro, which is literally all drum fills. Okay, yeah. so there's, there's two really famous drum fills. Um, and anyways, there was a few others on there. I can't even remember that video. <laughs> came um, so I start grouping things together into topics and usually like five to six topics, something that covers ideally the entire career, um, something that you see from record to record, even from artist to artist. Um, so with Phil, it was like, obviously his grooves with Genesis were really important, but also his solo career, but brand X, even with drum fills, going back to that, there was some stuff with tears for fears that he was doing that were like super iconic. He would do these duo drum parts with Manu Kache. Uh, they each do like half the track. So diving like really deep into all that stuff, which leads to my next point of just immersing myself in the music for weeks on end, every day on the way to work, just listening to different Phil Collins stuff, taking note of time codes that uh, stick out to me. Maybe there's some deeper cuts. Maybe they're super iconic, like in the air tonight level thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, before I did the Phil Collins one, I was on vacation. Uh, I read the entire Phil Collins autobiography. And what are the things that Phil talks about that are important to him? Uh, for the oh. John Bonham one, I read the new biography that came out about a few months ago. So just like fully immersing myself in that player and that music, and then turning that into a script, uh, sourcing the B-roll and all the actual footage of these drummers, uh, trying to find some famous ones, but also some deeper cuts that maybe if you search for Phil Collins, this video doesn't even show up, mm -hmm. right? Maybe it's some other artists that people don't really know about unless you're like a true fan. So yeah. yeah, like the, the fun thing is I, I want this to be a real authority piece because Drumeo is obviously it's a respected platform and I want to do my best to live up to that standard also yeah. for myself and my own brand. Um, I want to be known as someone who respects all these types of music uh, and these drummers and the legacy that they've had, but like full disclosure, like I didn't grow up a huge Phil Collins fan. Like I'm, I wasn't listening to Phil Collins and Genesis as a kid, just like learning the parts. Um, I really got into Genesis and Phil Collins because of this video. So it gives me almost an excuse to learn more and become a student again, and also present something to the world where we can co like collectively just like geek out on yeah. how great Phil Collins was or how great John Bonham was. Yeah. Uh, there's also a John Bonham one, hopefully coming out in May as well. Great. I'm looking Which, uh, forward to that. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of like a little bit of backstory and then obviously yeah. the kids and, and yeah, all yeah. Learning yeah, the the yeah, right. Of course, learning the parts and the attention to detail about the the the, the types of kits that they were playing and all that stuff. I, I it's 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 awesome. And I think anyone who loves to play drums, anyone who loves good music and loves to learn. Um, should definitely check out your videos and uh, Drumeo in general. Um, so yeah, I wa wanted to ask a couple quick questions before we go. Um, one is, would you would you like to talk a little bit about the other uh, music education programs that uh, you have besides Drumeo for other instruments and things like that, that the company has, I should say? Yeah, yeah. So right now, it, it's funny. Drumeo was started with Jared Falk yeah. um, way back in the day, like 2005. It wasn't called Drumeo back then. It was called Railroad Media. 
And <laughs> it's because our old studio was by the train tracks and we train people. <laughs> it's just horrible. <laughs> Anyways, um, in 2012, we rebranded. This was also before my time, but we rebranded to Drumeo in 2012. Um, and that's when things started to kind of take off. We started to bring out our very first artists, Larnell Lewis, before he was in Snarky Puppy, uh, Kenny Arnoff played with John Mellencamp oh, yeah. and Sonny Emery. Um, that was kind of like the early days of, of Drumeo. And then I believe probably going to get the dates wrong, but 2017, we launched Piano, uh, which is our piano lessons program, basically, uh, pretty much the same as Drumeo, um, obviously newer. So there's yeah. certain things that we've gotten into with Drumeo that they haven't gotten into yet, but it's all based on the same community style learning. Um, we're bringing out coaches this year, which we have on Drumeo, Piano, uh, and our other platforms as well, which is bringing in these artists who have been like making waves in the community. And we bring them in to teach whatever they're kind of known uh, as experts in. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the second one piano. Uh, last summer we launched Singio again, singing education online, uh, same sort of format, community-based learning. Uh, all of these have full methods curriculums, uh, inside there plus courses and performances and lots of other inspirational and educational content. Uh, and also Guitario, uh, again, same yeah. thing, guitar lessons online. And that has all, all these brands have their own separate teams, uh, their own production teams, their own content creators, uh, different coaches, like I mentioned. So yeah, it's, uh, it's all kind of falling under what is now called Musora. That's kind of the, the parent company. And then these are all the different brands. Yeah. So what we're working towards is that eventually all of these will be kind of unified all under one umbrella. Like if you would search Musora right now, you probably wouldn't see much other than our contact and careers page. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there's, there's really big plans in the future to kind of cover all the bases uh, with instruments and community-based learning. And I really think it's, it's something special where people can learn at their own pace uh, on their own time with their busy schedules and stuff like that. They don't need to drive to someone's house um, but at the same time, there's this one-on-one -on -one support. There's other people who are working on the same things as you collectively. And I think there's something powerful about that, where if you're just sitting in your drum room or your guitar room by yourself working on something, sure, you can have success in that. And you can, I mean, that's how I grew up learning. Yeah. But to yeah. see our community of students learning together collectively, like every, there's 60 people working on the same song right now. And at the end of the month, they're all submitting it. We're going to put it into a montage like we do every month. And it's like you and all of your friends from around the world are like improving together and working on the things together. So yeah, there's, there's some really cool things happening uh, yeah. in all the platforms. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the whole vibe. I mean, the, obviously my bias is toward Drumeo. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Cause yeah, I'm a drummer. Too, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Um, but yeah, I've 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 really kind of loved the whole the whole scene that you guys have there, and um, I I I wanted to just sort of ask you real quick, like, yeah. um, you you mentioned that you were that you were sort of now in the role of producer at one point when we were talking when it comes to you trying to to coax you know 
the right performance out of them for, for yeah. what you want. Is that intimidating at all when you're, do you feel, you know, like, for example, if you're sitting, you're talking to Dennis Chambers and I, I don't know what kind of suggestions yeah. you would be giving Dennis <laughs> Chambers, but do you ever, do you ever feel intimidated or, oh, or even, or even starstruck? I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, <laughs> it's a constant state of imposter syndrome <laughs> to put <laughs> it, so to put it lightly. Like, like this year, man, like we might have Steve Gadd coming out in the fall oh god like just there's there's so many legends steve smith is coming out in april simon phillips is coming out in april jay weinberg from slipknot all like so many of my heroes Mm -hmm. right and we're chatting on zoom talking about ideas and stuff and even starting there like sometimes it's like okay i have this idea but what are they going to think yeah right so it's finding the confidence to um because the reality is like they have the legacy and they have the, the knowledge and, and information and stuff. But for me, it's like, I need to fully embrace the fact that I understand our platform more than they do. I understand the format and what our students need so that they can actually extract the value from this course or this yeah. lesson or whatever it is. So they come out and I pick them up at the hotel. They ride in my RAV4 <laughs> and, um, uh, go to the studio and set up and stuff. But it's it's really interesting because the studio, like our studio is different from their other experiences that these artists have had because they're just playing drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they're with us, it's an educational uh, vibe, right? So they're in there, they're talking to a camera and you'd be amazed at how that can affect someone's confidence, someone's just like ability to to speak yeah, uh, like people playing in front of 60, 80,000 people, but you get them in a room with one camera and no one else. Yeah, they freeze. Yeah. So like, I've seen a, some of the world's best drummers just like kind of like uh, <laughs> freeze up in the studio. Right. So, yeah, like I'll be sitting in that chair and Dennis Chambers is on the other side. And what's really cool is over three days or four days, whatever it is. Uh, by the end, we're all cracking jokes and it's, yeah. it's great. Like you really get to know that person, but yeah, it's every artist is different, man. Like sometimes you can be cracking jokes within five minutes and mm-hmm. that kind of vibe is going to just work really well. Uh, it's going to keep it light and everyone's just going to get a great result all around. Sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes it's, you really do need to be cautious of what you say and how you word things. Um, to make sure the artist or the coach still feels like um, like they don't want to feel intimidated. They don't want to feel like they're not living up to the standard of what they need to do. So every, everyone is very different, but I will say it's, it's a constant state of imposter syndrome <laughs> because like, like I'm not, I'm not telling Dennis like what to, or how to play something, yeah. but sometimes it's like, man, like our students need a slow breakdown of that. And Mm. Dennis, like maybe you added a few extra ghost notes off the top. Like, can you play that without those three extra ghost notes? Mm -hmm. So I need to come across in a way that it's not like, Dennis, you played it wrong. Yeah. But like, (laughs) Dennis, can you, can you play that once more just without that? So our students have this clear kind of demonstration of it. Yeah. So those, those types of things, it's, it's a very interesting. (laughs) I I can, yeah. I can imagine, um, but very, very cool to kind of get an inside look into 
the just these artists like I was driving back with Dennis from we we're out at one of the steakhouses after his second day of filming and <laughs> he's like can I, can I plug in my phone or whatever I'm like yeah sure so plug in the phone and he's playing me these unreleased Billy Cobham performances uh from live in New York from like the early 70s I'm like Dennis where did you get these he's like oh these are like um like sound desk recordings that Billy gave me back in the 80s whatever and then he's like oh check this out and I guess he was Dennis was friends with Buddy Miles who played with Jimi Hendrix he's like check these out uh Buddy sent me these back in the the sick the 70s I think and it's these recordings of Jimi Hendrix in his living room you can hear the washing machine in the back you can hear whoever he was living with in the kitchen like these pots and pans he's like yeah these are from Jimmy's house and buddy had these unreleased tapes and sent them to Dennis so we're sitting in front of the hotel and Dennis is just like unloading all of this yeah. stuff I'm like <laughs> what is happening right now <laughs> it's crazy yeah oh my god I love that stuff I'm, I'm I... <laughs> yeah it's, that's awesome <laughs> pretty pretty wild man it's I'm very very honored to be in a position like this and uh again I I just want the most for the students and the drummers out there who maybe don't have these inside looks and I, I know how privileged I am to be sitting in that in that seat so I I always want to do the best I can to just provide the most value for people out there we got Dennis to play a tool song so oh oh my you'll, god uh, you'll get to see a little glimpse into like how Dennis learns a song. Yeah. Which is I love that. that. Yeah. You can't, it's nowhere else on the internet. Can you kind of get that look into Dennis's mind? So yeah, just that kind of stuff, man. It's, it's definitely an honor, but also imposter syndrome 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. So, that's so, it's so fun. I was just, I was just texting with Denny Fongheiser. I was talking, yeah. we were talking in pre-roll, you know, um, session drummer has been on my show and I was like, yeah, do you ever feel imposter syndrome? Cause I feel like I feel it all the time lately. You know, it's just so yeah. funny that you mentioned that because I think that's yeah. just, that's just a thing. Uh, oh, 100%. for, for, for most all people. musicians. Yeah. Think. Yeah. Um, all right. So last question I have uh, before we go, and then I just want you to have a chance to plug, um, you know, these projects that you're doing and places that people can go to, to listen to them and hear them and see them. Do you have a do you have a, a a piece of advice that you would give to an up up and coming drummer, or maybe someone who just really really digs the drums and might want to get started? Is there something just from your experience that you would you would offer to to a youngster who might want to get into this crazy world? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, like for the young drummers out there, I would just say just play, play as much as you can, enjoy every minute of it, play the music you love to play. Um, Cause at the end of the day, that's, that's why we, we do it. That's why I still do it. Right. It, yeah. it comes down to, I love the music. Um, that's why I started playing. It's why I still play. And sometimes even for musicians who have been doing it a long time, I find it's easy to lose touch with that. Mm -hmm. Right. The real core reason why you're still playing an instrument for the drummers or musicians who want to take this more seriously and, and really get into the industry. For me, the most important thing was 
putting literally 110% into absolutely everything. For me, it was, it all started in private lessons with Jared. I look back on that and I treated every lesson like a gig. I knew I could see through the drum lessons and I knew that that guy has access to so much of what I wish I had access to. And there's a whole world there that I currently don't even know about or don't have access to, but I can see those people who do. So you treat that, whether you're taking lessons with your private instructor or you're playing a gig at some bar that you have 10 people in the audience, you don't know who those 10 people are or who those 10 people know. So for me, like if I would have went to drum lessons every week and just didn't practice anything, uh, didn't show any progress, didn't ask the right questions. Again, of course I asked some stupid questions and all that kind of stuff, but I approached that with a little bit of weight to it, right? Like I, I knew that there were some things at stake and I really cared about what I was doing. And because of that, that led to so many more opportunities. I wouldn't be doing anything with Drumeo right now if I didn't practice for private lessons seriously. Yeah, That's, that's just what it comes down to. So if you're at that gig with 10 people, if you didn't play that gig, you don't know what could or could not have happened because of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then other than that, man, like, yeah, just like, don't pigeon your whole pigeonhole yourself into one thing. Uh, one thing yep. Jared always, always taught me when I left for my first semester at school, uh, I was, it was my last day at the studio. I was doing bit of customer support, cleaning up the studios, all that grunt work pretty much. <laughs> I'm like, man, like, can I come back at Christmas and like do anything, whatever? He's like, well, you know how often things change around here. And I'm like, oh man, basically a no, right? Yeah. But like three, four weeks before I was coming back, I'm like, hey man, what's going on right now? What can I do to like come in and actually help out, do something? Can I do this for content? Can I do transcriptions? Can I do literally anything? But being open to literally anything. So I would take, I did customer service. I did uh, content marketing, writing articles. I did some social media stuff. I would plan lessons for instructors. I would write scripts for webinars. I'd write books. Um, all these different things that are completely different from sitting behind a drum kit and playing drums. But all of it revolved around music and playing drums and for yeah. me my goal ever since I was young was always like I want to work in the music industry and do something revolving around drums and if I can do that that's success yep. um, it doesn't mean playing in an arena now obviously that would be super cool but for me that's turned into so many other things it it's turned into being a producer uh, being an instructor or a coach on camera writing uh, books, being an author, uh, yeah, being an author, so many different things. And for you listening, that could be being a composer, being an arranger, uh, music engraving and transcription could be uh, mixing and mastering and recording. Like there's so many different things being a consultant. It's not just playing. And I think that's really important to understand. And the second you understand that, I think doors will open that maybe you didn't expect. Yes. Uh, do once once you're actually open to the idea of not just doing one thing even in performance like saying i only want to play jazz well that's maybe a great goal to one day be 
just in that kind of sector of the industry and being able to make a living playing jazz, amazing. But I don't think that should be right from the get-go, I'm only doing this. Be open to all those different kinds of music uh, and situations. And I think there's a lot more room there for uh, kind of developing a career. Yeah, that's, I mean, first of all, all fantastic advice. And you've you've essentially articulated the, the sort of general philosophy of almost all of the guests that I've had on the show so far, uh, you know, don't be, don't be risk averse, uh, be open to new opportunities, you know, say yes to opportunities. Don't pigeon yourself, you know, kind of diversify all of these things, like from, from guests like record producers to piano players, to mix engineers, to blah, 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 everybody, you know, and I think, and those are people who've, who've succeeded yeah. And and clearly you've succeeded in uh, in the way that you described, like, this is what I want. If I can do this with my life and that's what you're doing, you know? Um, and I think that's, that's fantastic. At the end of the day, you just gotta, I mean, if you love what you do, the rest is, the rest is easy. You'll yeah. probably work harder if you love oh. what you do, but man, like every day I wake up, I'm like excited for like, what's, what's this going to be today? Am I like, who am I going to chat with? What's, yeah. what's going to happen? Um, what, what's Dennis going to record in the studio today that the world hasn't seen yet? Like yeah. those types of things. Yeah. I think life is just so much better when you just dig what you're doing. So yeah. whatever it takes to get to that point, whether you're working in a, a Starbucks part-time right now and doing music on the side, keep exploring those opportunities to hopefully one day you can get rid of that side that side job uh, and move fully into the other probably won't be easy, but uh, it's definitely possible. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, there's no question. There's a lot of work involved. And, and yeah. at least from my experience, sometimes I don't, I didn't love it. Sometimes yeah. I don't love it. Sometimes it's brutal, actually, yeah. especially the live, just being on the road thing, but yeah, uh, I love it more than I, than I don't like it <laughs> by, you know, you and go. that, and that's, that's all I need. And that's, that's great. So, Brandon Taves, so grateful to have you on the show. I, I thank you so much for your time. Um, I want to just say very quickly before we sign off, um, would you like to direct people who are listening to anywhere in particular um, to, to, to yeah. find you and everything that you do? Yeah. So uh, online, uh, I'm most active on Instagram uh, at brandon.taves. Um, T O E W S, uh, for the weird spelling there. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm also on Facebook, uh, at brandon.taves.drums, TikTok at brandon.taves, uh, and then Drumio, uh, yeah. drumio.com, the Drumio YouTube channel, lots of lessons up there. Uh, and often you'll just see me hosting beside these drummers asking questions. So check out all that stuff there, the Drumio website. There's tons of stuff in there, um, oh, yeah. lots of coaches and education, and it's just a great time. So I hope to connect yeah. with some of you uh, who are listening here. Yeah, that's awesome. And yes, everybody who's listening, if you, I mean, a bunch of the things that we've talked about, the Van Helen or the Alex Van Helen videos and the Phil Collins stuff, you can find that. Just go to Drumeo or go go follow yeah. Brandon on on Instagram, and it's very cool to watch and very educational. You're an educator you're a scholar, you're a, a disciplined, enthusiastic guy. And, and it shows through so clearly and talented as a drummer, of course, Thank you. it shows through very clearly in, in what you do. And, um, 
I think I, I appreciate it. And I'm sure lots of people who, who watch your stuff and, and are a part of the Drumeo community really appreciate it too. So thank you so much for being on. Yeah, this, uh, it's been a pleasure, man. I, uh, I always love this kind of stuff and it's great to chat with other musicians and yeah, I mean, we all have such different stories, but it, they all somehow correlate and kind of cross paths, which is really cool too. Yeah. They kind of weave in out in, in yeah. and out of each other in, in interesting ways. Love it. So thank you again, Brandon. Really appreciate your time. It's been great having you on the show and uh, hopefully I'll see you around at some point. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe if I finally get to the West coast of the yes. Canada. <laughs> yes. If you're in Vancouver, stop by and uh, we'll, we'll hang at the studio for a bit. That would be an absolute blast. I'd be delighted. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you again. Yeah, thanks again. This episode was produced and edited by yours truly. Big thank you to Brandon Taves for being on the show. He's just a super great guy. A little bit famous theme music by Jay Darius. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>